I want to ask a question. What do you think would have been a bigger nest? The nest of Makas Bechairus, when every firstborn of Mitzrayim was killed in the middle of the night, or the nest of Kriyas Yamsuf, when the entire Egyptian army was destroyed, they all drowned in the sea. Obviously, there were a lot of other parts to Kriyas Yamsuf also, but just as far as the punishment of the Mitzrayim goes, what's the bigger miracle? Yisrael Mitzrayim or Kriyas Yamsuf? And I think if you think about it, if you look at the Psukim, the Nais of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim of Makas Bechairus was a much bigger Nais. Not only that, Hashem introduces it by saying it's something that only Hashem Himself can do. I'll pass through Mitzrayim on that night. Hashem says, I am not an angel. The case you call Bukhar Be'aris Mitzrayim, I Hashem himself has to do Makas Bukhairis. No one else can. And in a similar way, we find later on in the Torah, Hashem warns us that our scales, our weights, our business dealings should be ethical, should be honest. And it also concludes, I am Hashem who took you out of Mitzrayim. Say Chazal, I Chanti. I managed to ascertain who was the firstborn and who wasn't. And that we see as a special nest, so to speak, which was evidence in Makas Bukharis. It wasn't that everybody got killed. It wasn't the way that Hashem sometimes acted in a time of punishments. The Mashchis, the destroyer, is given free reign. And if that's the case, Tadikim and Rishayim both die. What we see by Makas Bechairus is, so to speak, a surgical operation, like the military likes to call it. Only the firstborns died, nobody else. Hashem went into every house and killed the firstborn, and no one else. And that was a much bigger demonstration of Hashem's power than if everybody had died. It's interesting to note that at the beginning, the Egyptians didn't think such a thing possible. Pasuk says when they all got up in a flurry of panic at midnight and they saw the firstborn had died, so they say, Kulonu Mesim. Let's chase the Jews out, we're all going to die. If there's this plague, if there's this punishment, the people are dropping dead without reason, we're all going to die. And none of them did. It was only the first ones. And that showed Yad Hashem much more clearly. Because that's not the normal Anhaga. That's not the normal method Hashem uses when dealing with the world. Normally, in a time of punishment, so it's not just those who deserve the punishments get punished. 
In the time of punishment, when the Malacham Ovis is allowed to act, Pasuk tells us that he punishes Tzadikim and Rishoyim. Now let's think about that for a moment. Even in times of punishment, Hashem is still fair. Even in times of plague, of death, there's still judgment in the world. And things don't happen without Hashem deciding that they should. So why should Tzadikim deserve to be punished? We can make the question stronger. Chazal tell us that a person should run from a mockum of danger. A person should not find himself in a mockum sakon, in a place where it's dangerous. And the question is why? Things don't happen by chance. Things aren't random. And if that's the case, that's the case. If a person is meant to be punished, he's found guilty in the heavenly courts, he can get punished in a place of peace, just like he can get punished in a war zone. He can fall ill in a place where there's a pandemic, and he can fall ill in a place where no one else is sick. And if a person is, deserves protection from Hashem, then like the Pasuk says, Gam ki salmavis. Even if I walk through the valley of death and I see people dying all around me, I have nothing to be afraid of if Hashem is watching me. So why should a person avoid a place of Sakana? The Ramchal in Derech Tvodas explains this. And the Ramchal says like this. He says there's two stages in the way Hashem judges the world. There's first what we call, he calls the Anhaga HaKlolis, the Anhaga which applies to the Tzibur. Like we say in the Shemun Esra of Rosh Hashanah, we say, Valamadinais Goye Omar, it says about the countries, Eizel HaMelchomov Eizel HaShalom, which country will be at war, which country will be at peace. Eizel HaRoyov, the Eizel HaSoiva, where there'll be enough to eat and where people will go hungry. So the first thing depends on what the country deserves, what's decided for the country. That's one thing. Now, each individual is judged as well. But each individual is judged against the backdrop of what the din of the place is in. And therefore, and therefore, in a place which is decided to be a place of war, and in a place of war, people die. So each individual is judged. But the way he's judged is, does this person deserve to survive? In a war zone, a person needs chosen to survive. Does this person deserve to survive? And in a place which is judged to be a place which will be at peace, so sure, things can happen there as well. But there the judgment's going to be, does this person deserve to be punished? And for the Tzadik Gomer, who deserves Hashem's direct protection, even if he's in a war zone, he'll deserve to be saved. And for the Rasha, who is found deserving of punishment, even in a place of peace, he'll deserve to be punished. 
difference is that there's a big category in the middle. There are a lot of people who would find themselves in a situation that if they're in a place which is at peace, they don't deserve to be punished. But if they're in a place which is at war, there aren't such things to think that they deserve to be saved. And therefore, for that middle category, it's important for them. It's important for them that they shouldn't find themselves in a Makum Sakana because it could change the outcome of their din. So that's the way which Hashem normally judges in the world. There's a din for a place and based on the din that Hashem decides for the place, that's going to affect the individuals. And therefore, yes, even people who would otherwise not deserve to be punished. But when they're in a time and a place where the Malacham office is given the free reign, so to speak, they aren't in the category that they afforded special protection. This was Dan Hager throughout the Makkus. Mitzrayim was punished, but Mitzrayim was punished collectively. When in the Makkus Dever, the animals of Mitzrayim died, all the animals died. When the Mitzrayim were afflicted with frogs or, lo- or lice or locusts or darkness, the entire population of Egypt suffered the same way. It was only by Makkus Bechorus that Hashem wanted to show this unique way of punishing, this unique den that Hashem will deal with each individual. It's not going to be a deal in the place. It's not going to be collective punishment on Mitzrayim. And therefore, this was the gilui of what the Ramchal calls Hanhagas HaYichud. HaKadosh Baruch dealing with the world, so to speak, on his own. In a miraculous way. And the way he showed that is there was no Hanhaga for the Tukal. Hashem dealt with each yachid, with each individual. Now let's look at Yamsuf. We see what happened at Yamsuf. On the one hand, all the Mitzri soldiers, the Egyptian army, were all drowned in the sea. On the other hand, Chazal tell us that not all of the Egyptians went down the same way. There were those who sank like lead. There were those who were tossed around to suffer like straw. And it was deserved. Each one got the punishment they deserved. And here we see an hogger in between. On the one hand, all the Mitzvah were punished. But on the other hand, it wasn't that they were all punished the same way. There was a unique punishment for each individual. When we look historically at what the Mephoshim tell us, the Poshim tell us in their writings about previous epidemics, previous, should we say, illnesses which affected the Rabbim, whether it was the bubonic plague, the Black Death, whether it was the typhus, cholera, the other epidemics so to speak, which are recorded in the eyes of the Poskim because of the halachic 
decisions they had to make, we see that whatever illness it was, it pretty much followed a certain trajectory. Everyone who got sick with it, basically the illness progressed in the same way. And obviously there were exceptions, but on the whole, once somebody was affected, it was predictable how it was going to play out, what was going to happen to him. I was thinking of the last few weeks about the pandemic that the world is facing right now. And there's something amazing about it, something very different. And that is, even though so many million people have been affected, how people are affected and what it does to them varies tremendously from one person to the next. There are those people who are nifted from it. There are those people who can test positive, but they're completely asymptomatic. They don't even know that they have it. There are those people that affect their sense of smell. There are those that affect their sense of taste. There are those that affect their breathing. There are those that affect their muscles. There are those that give them headaches. There are those that affect their digestion. And it's an amazing thing. The same, so to speak, virus, the same disease, it doesn't have a certain way that it works. On the contrary, it seems to affect everybody differently, with different symptoms, with different severity with how long it lasts. You know, they say, they ask often, after the Second World War, Israel suffered so terribly. Could, could that have been a fulfillment of the prophecy of the war of Gog and Magog? We're told there'll be a final future war before Mashiach comes. And many questions, could the Holocaust have been a cue, a fulfillment of that war, of that battle? I think there are many reasons why it wasn't. Firstly, it wasn't centered in Yerushalayim. There are other reasons as well. But one of the reasons is, is that it's clear that the way the war of Gog and Magog is going to play out, is that those who deserve to will survive it. Those who deserve will survive. The tzaddikim will survive. Like the says many times, the Rebbe's nishar will be because they deserve to be. And the Holocaust definitely was not like that. In the Holocaust, it was a gather of punishment of the Rishus was given to the Malachamavis to kill good and bad together. It was a time of punishment where there were very few who survived. And even tzaddikim suffered as well. People look to that, so to speak, as an example of what they think Gog and Magog is going to be. And if that's what they're thinking, they're rightfully afraid of it. But it's a mistake. It's a mistake. Because Gog and Magog is not collective punishment. Gog and Magog is a punishment for those people who aren't ma'aminim. Who don't have bitachan and Hashem. And those who do will be saved. And we see this. The Gemara says, 
what should an individual do to be saved from the birth pangs of Mashiach? Which means, it's possible for the Adam, for the individual to be saved. He isn't held by the collective din. As an individual, the Adam, Ma'yasi, what can he do that he'll be saved from Hebrew Mashiach? And it's following what he does. It's possible for the Yachid to be saved. That's an amazing point. We don't find in other times of punishment there was such a possibility. Of what can a person do to be saved? There, if it was a collective punishment, so the Gemara says in the time of Dever, the person has to run. Don't stay in the city. Dever, Be'er, run away. Because if a person is uh, in a place where, like we said, is a Shasa Sakana, he's going to be affected as well. Yemosa Mashiach doesn't work like that. Yemosa Mashiach will also be a gather of Anhagas Sayyichud, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unique way of dealing with each individual. So we've identified three stages. The first stage is collective punishment. When the Mitzrim were all punished in all the other plagues. With the possible exception of the Mecca of, of the hail, which was up to each Mitzrim to decide if he wanted to be Hashem. The second is even if a Rabbim get punished, but they get punished differently. That's the Anhaga we see by the Yamsuf. And the third, the third is the Anhaga which every individual is judged only based on what he deserves. The Anhaga that we saw by Makas Bukharis. And the Anhaga which we told about will happen again when Mashiach comes. If we have to place, like we said before, this corona and how it works. L'chair is in the middle category. It's in the category that on the one hand a rabbi are being punished. It's a makam or it's a time when millions of people are being affected. But on the other hand it's each person being affected differently. Now, there's not yet an Hoga of Yamsuf where we can see that everybody's being affected based on their Maisim. That we don't see so clearly. But at least the fact that we've been taught a lesson, we're being shown that every Yachid, so to speak, can be judged separately. That's already a lesson for us to learn. And maybe it's the beginning of Hashem showing that an Hoga in the world of how he deals each individual separately which we'll see its combination of when we, in the war of Gog and Magog where it will also be a Shasta Sakana it will also be a battleground and like every battleground there will be many people who are at risk many people whose lives are threatened by a war but here there won't be the Anhaga that people die because they happen to, so to speak, be judged by the culpability of the Tibur. Here it will be a war where everybody is judged on their own merits. And one last point. Being as that's the case, 
One doesn't have to be afraid. Adarabha. If a person is a Bunan Hashem, then he is in the category of people who deserve to be saved. And if he's in the category of people who deserve to be saved, he doesn't have to be afraid of Gog and Magog. He'll be one of those few who merit to survive and merit to greet Mashiach. You hear of your man or a man.